right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. All right, Nick, so we're going to talk a little bit about anesthetic toxicity or local anesthetic systemic toxicity. So talk to me a little bit about what it is, how it happens, and also how do we treat it? Yeah, so... I think this is one of those like classic attending questions, right? You're going to do circumcisions or you're putting uh, something, some sort of local anesthetic in and they always ask you, what's the maximum dose of lidocaine that you can use, right? But let's, again, as you said, break it down into why we need to know about this. Mm-hmm. So first, a little bit about how local anesthetics work. Medications like lidocaine reversibly block sodium channels. You can probably remember that lidocaine is part of the class one antiarrhythmics that are sodium channel blockers. Um, These meds vary in their lipid solubility, their potency, their time to onset, and duration of activity overall. Um, Some of these medications get absorbed systemically, um, particularly if you direct it into a blood vessel, um, and as we said, can go other places to cause sodium channel blockade, things that we care about, central nervous system, and the heart, of course. Um, The central nervous system, though, is actually much more sensitive to the effects of systemic local, that's a weird way to say it, (laughs) (laughs) systemic effects of local anesthetic. The CNS will actually manifest signs and symptoms of toxicity first. And so that's, again, there's a maximum dose that's recommended for these medications when used in obstetrics. So probably the most common that you'll encounter is lidocaine. I think lidocaine is probably the one that most people use. And the dosing maximum changes a little bit based on whether it's used with or without epinephrine. Um, Remember, epinephrine in a local anesthetic is used for the purposes of vasoconstriction. So when you have vasoconstriction, you're not going to have as much systemic absorption because those blood vessels just shrink up and they don't absorb the local anesthetic. The maximum dose of lidocaine without epi is going to be 5 milligrams per kilogram, and the maximum dose with epi is going to be 7 milligrams per kilogram. Probably the next most common is bupivacaine, and actually, surprisingly enough, there's not a difference between the maximum recommended dose with or without epi. It's 3 milligrams per kilogram either way. The practice bulletin on anesthesia actually lists these two agents as well as some other agents with respect to the maximum dose that you can use. Um, Faye, sort of, we talked a bit just a minute ago about the fact that there are going to be CNS and cardiovascular toxicities, um, potentially if you do use an overdose of these medications, what should we be looking for? In terms of the CNS, the initial things that patients uh, may report may be tinnitus, so a ringing in their ears. They may also report report blurred vision, dizziness, or circumoral numbness. Uh, If you're doing a procedure where you're injecting lidocaine onto the cervix and you do have to use quite a bit of lidocaine, um, I have told patients that they may experience that ringing in their ears or that numbness around their mouth. After, if you continue to use your local anesthetic, the patients can develop decrease in their inhibitory pathway. So you can have nervousness, agitation, muscle twitching, um, and even seizures because of this blockage of the inhibitory pathways in the CNS. 
And then finally, you'll have CNS depression, and patients can get things like slurred speech, drowsiness, and consciousness, and even respiratory arrest. So really, if a patient is reporting that they're having that numbness around their mouth or ringing in their ears, you should know that you should stop using whatever local anesthetic that you're using. In terms of effect on the cardiovascular system, the uh, local anesthetic can block these fast sodium channels in the Purkinje fibers of the heart, and that will lead to a decreased rate of depolarization. So this can mean a prolonged PR interval and widened QRS complexes, and this can lead to something as benign as sinus bradycardia to even something as scary as ventricular arrhythmias like uh, V-fib, especially with bupivacaine. Okay, Nick, so those are the effects. Those are the bad things that can happen. What is the treatment? Yeah, so these treatment guidelines come directly from the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine. Um, So first of all, stop what you're doing, right? Don't inject any more local anesthetic if you're suspecting toxicity. Hopefully that's a no-brainer. And then additionally, you want to get anesthesia on board, so call for help. Again, depending on the significance of the toxicity. Um, You may also need to alert a cardiopulmonary bypass team because resuscitation in these instances may require a prolonged time period. Um, And even some hospitals maintain a um, local anesthesia systemic toxicity rescue kit for these very instances. Um, Anesthesia will focus on airway management, again, to help ventilate and get an advanced airway device if necessary. Seizures, again, are the next thing that are going to happen with the CNS toxicity. In the event of seizures, benzodiazepines are preferred, um, and not that many obstetricians would be pushing large doses of propofol, but propofol is not recommended in these instances. Again, hypotension and bradycardia are going to come because you have this sodium channel blocker exhibiting its... Uh, cardiovascular effects. If a patient is pulseless, certainly start CPR. Lipid emulsion therapy is the thing that's going to help bind up um, that systemically absorbed local anesthetic, and this is comes in a 20% lipid emulsion solution. If the patient is over 70 kilograms, you should bolus 100 cc's of this solution over 2 to 3 minutes, then give an additional 200 to 250 cc's over 15 to 20 minutes. If the patient is under 70 kilograms, you're going to do a weight-based dosing, so 1.5 mils per kilogram over 2 to 3 minutes, then 0.25 mils per kilogram per minute of ideal body weight after that. Um, Monitoring should continue for certainly at least 4 to 6 hours after a cardiovascular event or at least 2 hours after a limited CNS event. In these instances, you also want to avoid other medications in your resuscitation, such as vasopressin, calcium channel blockers, beta blockers, or other local anesthetics, Um, again, for the risk of causing additional cardiovascular compromise. Right, that brings us to the very end. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, go ahead and go on to our iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us online on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee, or you can find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee. Send us some support and we'll send you some swag. 
for this episode and every other episode, we also have adjunct learning materials. Go ahead and go onto our website, www.creogsovercoffee.com. Finally, if you have a correction for this episode or any of our previous episodes, or just want to send us an idea, a suggestion, or a correction, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. 